This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again, and listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links. Hi, this is Wolfgang Bauer, author of Forge of War, Expedition to the Demon Web Pits, and a whole lot of independent games you probably don't know. You don't listen to The Tome, you're a sad, sorry man. Welcome to The Tome. A D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 275, we're in training to become master dungeon delvers as we study from the text of Volothamp, Goodarm, and his legendary text, Dungeonology. Joining us for this episode is game designer, four horseman, and all-around swell fellow, Dan Dillon. Welcome back, sir. Hello, thanks for having me on. It's th- always a blast to be here. I think you were on our last review episode. Did we do Volo's Guide in December, or was that November? Uh, it was one of the two. One of those two, <laughs> It yes. might, have been, might have been right around the transition point. <laughs> yeah, right on. Uh, and you're, you're all kinds of busy these days, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm deep in the Cobalt Word Mines right now for Cobalt Press. Uh, with an upcoming Kickstarter, so I have quite a bit on my plate for that, as well as uh, a handful of other publishers I'm working for. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that uh, more later on in, in a future episodes or whatever, uh, but but just briefly, tell us a little bit about this Kickstarter. I'm sure the Kobold folks would be happy to hear you talking about it. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> so the, the upcoming Kickstarter, which I believe the plan is, that's going to go live here in a, a week or two. Uh, don't hold me which, to that, but that was which, the last Which part. might be like a week or two ago, depending on when it, this comes uh, out. By, yeah. At the time of air, yes, it might be. It, it might be go to Kickstarter right now. Right. So, so it, <laughs> uh, it comes out late January? My, my heard, the last thing I heard from Wolfgang was he was going to kick it off mid-January, maybe mid-January. scooting toward late, but mid, but any time now. Uh, any, yeah. uh, so anyway, the idea is where uh, the, the Kobolds are getting the Midgard campaign setting updated. Uh, they're kind of moving their own personal timeline forward, uh, revisiting the world, and, and most importantly for me, the thing I'm most excited about is updating it mechanically to 5th edition D&D. And uh, that's the part that I'm getting to do just a ton of work on and have been doing work on for a while in preparation. Mm. So I've written just a ton of races and classes and spells and I've done some development work and, you know, Tome of Beasts kind of fed into this with all of the Midgard-centric lore it's pulling. Uh, it's going to be a big deal. I can't wait. Yeah, and so it's going to be is it, it's going to be setting and adventures then? It's going to be, uh, I believe the Kickstarter is going to, uh, there's a lot on the horizon and a lot okay. of that's going to depend on, the, there's a lot of that's going to depend on the backing support, sure. but the core idea is going to be a campaign setting that is basically setting material, material and lore, uh, and that I think should be pretty system neutral, and that'll be, you know, an update that's good for Pathfinder or 13th Age or, mm-hmm. or whoever is just interested in Midgard and doing whatever you want with it. Uh, it's going to be story hooks. It's going to be lore, uh, locations, maps. Well, and there's already uh, a setting book, so I imagine a lot of that's already written, right? Uh, yeah, but a lot of it's getting updated. Oh, okay. a lot of, there's a lot of new work being done and some new things being added. Uh, a fairly large section that I have the privilege to work on that uh, did not get comprehensive coverage in the previous edition mm. is getting uh, a, a decent-sized chapter of its own now. Um, And then the second volume is going to be a player's companion, and that's going to have the core races of Midgard, uh, spells, uh, maybe some magic items, feats, um, subclasses, backgrounds, 
uh, as well as monsters, uh, some that'll factor into player options and some that'll just be for, for DMs. And you've already, I mean, personally, you have already started converting some of the, I mean, you've released some products with conversions of, of races and things, right? I have, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the Heroes line, uh, several of those. Um, I personally wrote Midgard Heroes and Unlikely Heroes. Uh, some of those guys will be showing up in the Player's Companion. Uh, not all of them. Some of them are a little too unlikely or a little too fringe. Uh, <laughs> But the uh, the core cadre of uh, of the Midgard races will be in there, and I believe if you uh, pop over to Cobalt Press's website, uh, Wolfgang has done a blog post talking about which races are going to be in it and how he decided which ones were core. Um, well, I, I know Gearforged uh, from your book get a, gets a lot of use at my game table. But. Awesome, they're, they're one of my favorites. Okay, well, I think that's a good introduction to Dan Dillon uh, <laughs> and a little bit of what he's got going on these days. Let's go ahead and dig into our episode. In this episode, we are talking about the book Dungeonology. It is a licensed book, not published by Wizard of the Coast, uh, but p- published with their permission and assistance, uh, written by or published by Kindlewick Press, primarily written by Matt Forbeck. Uh, this is the latest in their ology series uh, that also includes things like wizardology uh, and, and some others, right? Are, are you guys familiar with any of the other ologies? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not. So, so this is my first ology book as well. Dan, what are the other ology books? Oh, geez, there's a bunch of them. Um, I think there's like, a, have, is there a dragonology? And, there is, yeah. yeah. We have we have a couple of them upstairs in my son's room right now. We've got dragonology, we have wizardology, uh, we have pirateology, and I think Egyptology. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and there's just more than that besides. And and they're super fun. And, and uh, are, I first... Are they oh, sorry, all no. are they all D and D licensed books or or not? no no okay. this is the only D and D licensed one the other okay. ones are just sort of like general uh, folklore fairy tale uh, and but they're all written with this sort of in universe perspective mm-hmm. so they're all very immersive they're they're kind of interactive storybooks okay very good so so the impression I get is that the theology series is intended generally for a younger audience it has fold out pages it has various little like manipulatables and gadgets and things mm-hmm. throughout the text. Uh, and so we're going to talk all about that, uh, but right now we have to mention our sponsor. That's right, Noble Knight is back. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you know them well. They're the longest sponsor, supporter of the podcast ever. Uh, and if you're new to the show, welcome. Also, Noble Knight is a brick-and-mortar store that has an online component that specializes in finding out-of-print products. Each episode, we give you a pick of the episode, and this time around, our pick is the officially licensed D&D coloring book by Candlewick Press. It's full of fun monsters and other things to color, and it's currently less than $13 from Noble Knight. Check it out and tell them the Tome Show sent you. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers. Use a Noble Knight. To sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. All right, so first things first, as I usually do as we begin a review episode like this in in an effort towards full disclosure, uh, did everyone pay for their copy of the book? Yes. Uh, yes. And, and I did as well. Unlike Watsy published things, who, who, where I will oftentimes get review copies, uh, I seldom get review copies of licensed products. So this time I paid for it and actually picked up that coloring book that Tracy was just talking about at the same time. So I look forward to digging into that uh, at, at some point when I have some time. All <laughs> right. So Dungeonology. 
Uh, let's start off with a, a what is this book. Now, Dan, you were saying that the other ologies books are, are told sort of in-universe sort of way, but um, this is the first one that's been D&D licensed. That is correct, yes. Uh, and so, you know, the in-universe storytelling of it is none other than Volo Thampkadarm. Mm-hmm. And if you're a longtime fan of D&D, Volo is a, a staple name. And even if you're new to it, uh, you've recently been introduced to the good stuff that he brings us through uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters. So he has struck again. Yeah, and he, he actually plays prominently in um, Ed Greenwood's latest novel as well. He, oh, excellent. As a character, he has made it through the 100-year jump uh, and is still around. Cool. So there you go. Volo is everywhere. Uh, it's fun. He actually makes reference to that. <laughs> in, yeah, uh, he kind of does. Yeah. So there's a little tie in there, a little linky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that um, I, like, I could see very clearly in here is um, that there was some con- concerted effort to tie the storylines that have been going on in the realms since 5th edition launch into Mm -hmm. what was being discussed here, right? So those things all kind of pop up. Uh, And I think there were some hints, if I remember right, um, from Greg Tito over at the official D&D podcast, Dragon Talk. And I think he was talking about when they wrote this and helped them write this, that they helped sort of seed hints at future storylines that are also hidden and buried within this book as well. I can say for sure that I have found at least a few of those. (laughs) Well, at... And I can't say or not because I have an NDA as a playtester. So. Oh, delightful. <laughs> well, I do not. Yeah. So <laughs> I can tell you that, well, it's sort of a retrospective now given that, you know, uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal has already been announced. Yes, there but, are, there but are those, that. But there are definitely, you know, connections to that in, in Volo's uh, dungeonology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was even a reference to the, um, what's the adventure, the... Um, the Dead and Thay adventure with the big dungeon mm-hmm. yep. uh, that was sort of a, a playtest, D&D Next playtest uh, adventure. And I was really surprised to see that it popped up in Dungeonology. I'm like, why, of all the things, why would they reference this thing that hasn't been around long enough to be considered a classic and was sort of a playtest thing? So I don't think anybody would really call it a classic, uh, except that it's going into uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal. So odd. They, they're, they're trying to package it with classics to make it a new classic. I see. Yep, yeah, that seems to be it. But yeah, no, there's all kinds of D and D threads that are coming together in this in this little dungeonology book. And, and as you said, it's definitely for a younger audience. Although I will say that I enjoyed it thoroughly, reading it just for myself mm. as well as reading it for my for my two young children. Yeah, Tracy, what uh, was your experience reading it? Uh, I liked it a, a lot, but um, I think I also had a different experience because it reminded me a lot of. Uh, art journaling, which is something that I've gotten into over the last year or two. And so, like, people making their own books, basically, with fold-out stuff mm-hmm. is kind of uh, something that a lot of art journalists, people who do art journaling would do. Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoyed that, too. That was one of my favorite parts of the book, are all the little uh, little extra fold-out pages and flaps and, mm-hmm. and things tucked away here and there. And that was actually uh, my two kids that was their favorite part of actually just physically reading the book was finding, they kept calling them secret doors and secret pages. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it was so interesting because I, I read the book with my children. This was our, our, uh, bedtime story basically for the last several weeks anyway. 
because um, we only get in, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes of reading a night. And so we get through sure. a couple pages and whatever. Um, and I noticed that when we were in the actual Dungeonology book, they were hovering over my shoulder and looking at everything as I was reading. And then when I got to the little extra book at the end, the Volo's Guide to the Forgotten Realms, um, it's which is, on a side note, basically an entirely separate book. But without, mm-hmm. the, but without the folder rolls. But in terms of amount of text and information, there's about as much there as there is in the uh, in the main book. It's pretty dense, yeah. It is, yeah. But when I got to that, like the kids are like, would instead of looking over my shoulders, even though the artwork is cool, they would just sort of sit down on the floor in front of me, and I'd read because they were more interested in hearing what I was reading, and there wasn't as much stuff to to play with, you know. Right. Yeah, that that one is definitely not interactive, like the uh, the mm-hmm. main portion of the book is. But as just kind of an add on, that one felt like a little bit more of a here's some extra D and D for you. You know, mm-hmm. if if the rest of that wet your whistle, here here you go. Well, and that's that's another thing because we talked about and I, and I think it's intended to be for a younger audience, but it's not written as if it's for a younger audience. Like, it's laid out, and it has the the foldables and all that kind of stuff that makes it feel like it's for a younger audience. But but it's written with a fairly high vocabulary. It It is, and that's that's one thing that I noticed. Now, my kids were able to keep up, uh, but they would ask questions a lot about what mm. that means or what, you know, what, what is that. And, and that's good. You know, that's, that's a great way mm-hmm. to expand vocabulary and get them interested in things. But this isn't the sort of thing that you can set very young children down and they will just read through. Mm-hmm. Now, they'll have a great time looking at the illustrations, and there's plenty of stuff that they can read and absorb. And it is very engaging with all of this tactile stuff going on in here but yeah a lot of the main text portions are written to a higher level mm-hmm. no i even considered like and and part of this came to me uh at christmas time because i was with my extended family and one of my cousins actually got this book for christmas and i'm like oh hey i know that book well you know i'm, I'm looking through it and reviewing it and look at all this cool stuff and he was asking about why isn't this place that i played in this video game on the map and i was like well because it doesn't go that far south and you know that kind of stuff um, and so, yeah, no, and, and he's not young. He's in his 20s. Um, right. So I think it's a pretty good, like, I feel like if I had somebody sitting down and playing a game, playing D&D for me for the first time, and they were kind of interested in, like, what the heck is this world that we're playing in? I feel like this is the kind of thing where it's like, hey, here's a, here's a, a, a fun little thing you can flip through that if you read through this whole thing, I think it's, it's a it's a decent like crash course in the forgotten realms. It is. I've heard it described as, you know, a coffee table book mm-hmm. and that's, that's a really great way to, to use it or showcase it. And it is an excellent intro primer to just what the deal is of dungeons and dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, also along the lines of like the, the smaller chunks of text, I found it right now, given that I have a five and a half month old, much easier to read than anything else I've been trying to read over the past, you know, oh, few months. Sure. <laughs> so it was actually easier uh, and not not more approachable in terms of like I can't read stuff that is more dense. Just I just don't. I'm I'm looking for little snippets of time right now, and so it was great for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. It's a it's yeah, a it's a fun little thing. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to say, uh, I was just going to echo uh, Tracy's sentiment there that it is very digestible. Uh, it's broken into these kind of easy to, to grab sections, and you can kind of skip around the page, and you don't necessarily break any sort of continuity or flow. And it's very much, um, 
Well, to use an adventure term, it's very much a sandbox, right? Mm -hmm. You can just kind of go wherever you want in it, and you're not going to mess anything up. You can just flip to whatever interests you at the moment, whatever catches your eye, and and you'll get useful stuff out of it. Mm -hmm. um, now, I will say that I know uh, I'm a little bit pl more plugged into the online community of, of role-playing in D&D in, &D in particular now than I have been at previous points in my life, and a lot of people are upset because I think they expected something else out of this. In particular, I think they expected it to be some kind of game supplement, and it is not. Okay, If you're looking for game mechanics or anything mm. like that, no, you no, are yeah. not going to find them in this book. I just want to make sure that is very clear yeah. before anyone goes out and buys it based on the recommendation of, uh, of, of the podcast if we end up putting our seal of approval on it um, and, and is disappointed. This is not a game book. This is very much a lore... And, and information and fun and, and get you interested in what the overall deal of Dungeons & Dragons and the Forgotten Realms is. Mm -hmm. And if anything, I would actually argue that the title itself is a little bit misleading. Like, it's called Dungeonology, and it sort of packages itself around this narrative of, let me write you sort of a textbook about being a Dungeonologist, somebody who goes exploring dungeons in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, but... Even with that framing around it, as you go through the various things, it definitely feels less like dungeonology and more of like just adventurology. Yes. You know, it's talking about how to form an adventuring party and what kind of people you want in your group. And, uh, you know, there's a fold out map of the realms. Not that like highlights here's where the dungeons are. It's just a, here's where cities are in the realms. And it's really more of a primer of being an adventurer in their forgotten realms than it is uh, on dungeons specifically. Yep, and uh, you hit it exactly on the head. Uh, a more appropriate title is probably Adventurology, but that doesn't sound like Dungeons & Dragons. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's, it's mostly a branding thing is what's going on there. I suspect, I yeah. And I think for me, I'm going to try to get ideas from it because I, I want to create um, like handouts and stuff for my table. Mm. So I might create like now a book and, and do that same sort of interactive stuff with it. That's awesome. And this is wonderful inspiration for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's really, that's, I mean, in terms of being a gamer and whatever, I feel like that's largely what it does is it's a source of inspiration. It's not comprehensive. It's not going to to be a, a manual as much as it pretends to be a manual on these sorts of things. It's not a manual right. on these sorts of things. Like it mentions that there are more than just the four core classes, but it barely sort of touches on them. It mentions that there are some of the non-standard races, but not doesn't really explain them much. Um, you know, when it gets into the section on like the Underdark, um, it talks about some of the threats in the Underdark, but it's like. Mind Flayer, Intellectual, Intellect Devourer, and there was, like, one other thing, and it's, like, they don't even, I mean, there's no, like, there's a lot going on in the Underdark and lots of threats and whatever, and they seem to focus a lot on Mind Flayers, uh, which maybe was intended as a tie-in to Volo, right? Because Volo's Guide to Monsters has a whole sure. section on Mind Flayers and what have you. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things they could have done there, and instead they gave us Mind Flayers, and then they gave us something that Mind Flayers make. It's like, well, you could have probably just done one of those and then hit a different thing. But right. um, so, so it's certainly not comprehensive. I don't know that it's intending to be. Um, but, but there's also areas there where it's like, oh, that's cool. Or, hey, I wonder if this is where they might be going in the future. You know, um, mm -hmm. there, there, are, there are not only hints uh, because the, the 
uh, what did we say, Dead and Thay, that dungeon appears in it, which I was a little surprised at. Um, but the Tomb of Horrors and Aserak are mentioned multiple times. Uh, and we they know, are. And we know that that's also in the upcoming um, Yawning Portal book as well. And there's a, you know, it talks about Undermountain in the in mm-hmm. Volvo's Guide as well. Yep. So, so I so, think that there are hints there, and I, I and I don't want to talk much more about other hints that might be there, um, because I because I'm a playtester and I I I know what the you, next, I know, you know what the next thing is. You <laughs> so. Yes, got it. <laughs> so, but if you guys want to talk about any, anything in there that you think might be hints as to future products, I will gladly listen. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm, I'm trying to flip back through, and mm-hmm. it's it's honestly. So there aren't that many pages to it, but there's so much going on with all of the pages. It feels like a bigger book than it actually is, yeah. uh, and so sometimes it's far. It's it's hard to uh, to flip back through to where I was. Oh man, my daughter absolutely loved the fold out um, on the uh, the fortune and glory page with the dragon splash art. There's that little uh, fold up like a portal that's talking about oh, yeah, magical yeah. containers that I thought Jeez. was just going to be a coin purse, but it's like a little bag of holding or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like it's like unfolding a portable hole or a bag of mm-hmm. holding. She loved that thing. <laughs> okay. See, I was worried about it because every time I mess with it, I'm like, I'm either going to tear something or it's not going to get put back the way it's supposed to. <laughs> you're yeah, you're you're probably not going to fold it back correctly. That's that's what I've seen, but it still lays flat, so it all works out. Um, so as far as as threads that could be happening for other adventures, I mean, I see tons of oh well, they were setting this up for Yawning Portal, and that's mm-hmm. just all over the place now. But, um, man, as far as other stuff, they, they give us, in, particularly in the little uh, the Guide to the Forgotten Realms in the back, that mm. gives us a lot of extra snippets that kind of go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're talking about, that's where you get talking about the Tomb of Horrors and Undermountain, and you have this big old map of the, the passages of Undermountain. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty intriguing. Um, and it gets into... Uh, beyond the Forgotten Realms, so you get into you get a little snippet of Karatur and Zakara, mm-hmm. and which you know Zakara is so near and dear to my heart. I, I don't really hold out hope that we're going to get an Alkadim <laughs> adventure story. Well, but, I mean, you know, the, if, if the two do, if, if the the two of us keep uh, lobbying for it, maybe I you know I may be getting ready to put some Zakara update material on the uh, Dungeon Master's Guild, Guild before mm-hmm. too long. I don't I don't know. Well, and maybe if, some you know if that happened teams. if that happened and it was really popular, maybe Wizards would take note. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so it also talks about the worlds beyond. So it gets into like Greyhawk and the cosmology and Barovia and Sigil. Mm-hmm. And I know that last little mention of Sigil there that is going to send some people into a frenzy if they're looking for Easter eggs and possible threads going mm-hmm. forward. Because there's a lot of Planescape fans out there, and mm-hmm. you know Sigil being the the hub of the wheel is uh, is is central to that. I re- recently watched a YouTube interview with Mike Merles where somebody went out talking to him about. About the Yawning Portal book is what it was. Uh, and and he just had this weird throwaway line in the middle of the interview about Sigil. And I'm like, wait a minute. So Where did that come th- from? So, so you're thinking about Sigil too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's in the Greyhawk thing. Here's this little, this little last blurb of it, if I can read an excerpt real quick. Uh, I'm told that a Sararak and his legendary Tomb of Horrors originally hailed from Greyhawk. The fact that the Demilich is now well-known in Faerun as well implies that the boundaries between the two worlds may somehow be breaking mm. down. That feels like a, a momentous line to me, um, but who knows? That could just be that. That could have been a, a, a snippet preview for um, Yawning Portal, or it could just be Matt Farbeck, you know, having fun. 
Absolutely. Because we don't know how we don't know what came from the author and what came from Wizards sort of telling the author, hey, maybe sneak this in here. Very true. A lot of this is also just having a good time. Um, and so along the lines of this is not a game book, some of the things they throw out here and there will not match up 100% to game rules. Or it's like that matches up, but only if you use this little variant in a sidebar on page, you know, 165, mm-hmm. right? Don't don't get hung up on that stuff. Just just read it, have a good time, be inspired, mm-hmm. and like I did, show the page that folds out to show all the races to your kids and say, what do you feel like playing, you know? And, and read through the descriptions of them and listen to them say, ooh, I want to play that every time you read a new one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Tracy, did you see anything in there that you hope uh, shows up in a future storyline? Uh, I'm not sure, because that would require knowing the old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> The old stuff like the previous storylines or the old stuff like some of the, the older, older, like classic things that they've been referencing? So probably a combination of both. both. I was out for a good portion yeah. of the newer storylines, uh, unfortunately. Um, you, and and while, you and you're having kids. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and while I, I do like that it's easier these days to catch up on on uh, old modules. Mm. Uh, There's still a lot to get time. through. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of backlog. Uh, so if I had to pin down one prediction, the fact that they called the newest book announced Tales from the Yawning Portal and then it doesn't have anything to do with Undermountain, that's a head scratcher. So mm. my my mm. current my current bank is on the next storyline is going to have to do with Undermountain itself. But Yeah, that's, I'm thinking That's I mean, my thought. Here's the thing about Undermountain though. Undermountain is just one massive mega dungeon. And while that's classic enough, like you can't include that in a collection, right? You couldn't True. you couldn't do Undermountain in Tales from the Yawning Portal because it wouldn't it would be the entire book. Yeah, no, and, there's, that, and there's no like classic stories of going into under, like the Undermountain books, uh, like the the products. I'm thinking back to like the second edition box set. I think I have mm-hmm. um, that product is 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 really more of a setting that is just a massive dungeon. There's not really a an adventure there. You know? That's true. That's true. Um, so what what I more meant was that um, so you could do things with Undermountain as mm-hmm. a setting. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be an entire you know level one to fifteen or one to ten whatever right. delve into this mega dungeon, but it could factor in. Now maybe they just used the the tavern as sort of a hey, this is an iconic tavern that has to do with dungeons. Mm-hmm. This is a book about dungeons. Let's bring them all together. But then you get back to that. Wait a minute you know, X, Y, and Z in, in Tales from the Yawning Portal, these all come from Greyhawk. And mm-hmm. the Yawning Portal itself is in the Forgotten Realms. These are different worlds separated by whatever it is you come up with to explain that separates D&D worlds, planar boundaries or, you know, crystal spheres or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on here? And then we get more mentions of Sigil, and then there's that last little bit. And so if it's not about, if the next storyline isn't about Undermountain, I then I, I'm I'm starting to like more and more this idea of boundaries breaking down mm. and crossing from one world to another and getting into things like uh, actual you know planescape as sure. as a whole. I mean, some of that could just be an explanation as to why we keep seeing storylines that are homages to old old Greyhawk adventures, like uh, could be Princes of the Apocalypse, which was a, a, an homage to the elemental uh, El- uh, yeah elemental evil and and. Um, I mean, you could even argue Storm King's Thunder is an homage to the Against the Giants series and all that. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, 
but currently I'm, I'm liking to think that there's more to it than, nice. eh, we could just pick and choose from wherever and then we'll just hand wave why it's happening. Um, it, it, they keep saying over and over again that they have a plan, right? Yep. Going forward, they have all these plans. They, they, you know, they have things sketched out for the next 10 years or whatever. You know, I can't remember the exact number that, yeah. that Mike Merles and Chris Perkins have thrown out, but they have a plan. None of this is random. None of it is coming out of the blue. Um, well, and, and we're can, seeing and, and, and world hopping. And you can see some of that. Like, I see, you can see some evidence of the plan because, like, they they I, I saw mentioned when Storm King's Thunder came out that, like, oh, yeah, if you check out the monster manual entry for Giants, we totally seeded it full of hints about Storm King's Thunder. Uh, yeah. and, and it sort of sets the norm for Giants that wasn't the norm for Giants before, but needed to be the norm as we went forward to, in order to make the story work. And then you go back and you say, oh, yeah, they did that, like, throughout, like, as far back as the Monster Manual and for a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. So how many other storylines were already seated all the way back at the beginning in the Monster Manual that haven't even been told yet? Well, and that's the thing that's brilliant about the way they've did it, the, the way they've done it so far and the way they've sort of called it out is because there is so much stuff throughout the core books and even in the books that have come out since because they've said that they've continued to, to seed hints of future stories in all the books that come out. Uh, you could look at absolutely anything and go, aha, we're doing the March of the Modrons, you know, because there's right. Modrons in the Monster Manual. Right. Uh, and, it, it's, and it's so much of it is just just potential red herring, right? Or even just gray space that may someday be a story but yeah. isn't yet. It's a um, little bit like, uh, was it, I hear uh, Stephen Moffat describe his method of, of writing Doctor Who, which is, well, we'll just keep throwing threads out there and then by the end we'll grab the ones that seem interesting but we don't really necessarily know, have to know what what all is going to be what at the beginning. We just keep throwing hooks out, and and some of them will catch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I yeah. mean, that, so, so it could be that the monster manual might just be full of hooks, and some of them could turn into adventures, and some of them might be planned that way, and some of them might be future plans. You know, that, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm sure that there are a ton of them that are already planned, and then there's a ton of them that just look like they're planned, or you know, will look like they were planned in retrospect when we go back and look later yeah. when you know against the carrion crawlers comes out <laughs> <laughs> right on uh so anybody uh have any thoughts or concerns about the foldable bits like i'm a, like we mentioned the 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 bag of holding thing not really folding back the way it's supposed to or i'm always concerned about like handing this off even to my 10 or 11 year old because i'm afraid that like the map's going to get torn up and stuff because that folds in a very particular way and and unfolds kind of awkwardly or do we just Um, say forget it it's for it's for the kids let them have fun and if they tear it up they tear it up you know, I'm, I'm, that's basically where I come down. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a danger of that whenever you have intricate folds. And, and they're on pretty heavy cardstock-type paper. But, you know, I, I've seen these ology books before, um, mm-hmm. back before my kids were born when I was uh, working in, uh, in the mental health field. I did a lot of, you know, I worked with children and adolescents, took them to the library, all that stuff. And uh, that's where I was introduced to these ology books. And you run into... These are full of little packets of glitter and just all kinds of little teeny fiddly bits. And this one is reminiscent of it with the letter in the inside cover from from Elminster. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's about as fiddly as it really gets in this book, though. And the rest are all attached. They're not going anywhere. So the worst you're going to do is fold the map the wrong way or maybe tear the little bag of holding. Um 
right? Uh, yeah, so I'm always, I'm always worried that, that like the the little spell book or the dragon extra book is going to come torn out. I mean, the the, the Forgotten sure. Realms guide is also a something that isn't attached as well, but yeah, but but like that's bigger. Uh, like in some of these other books, they're like what I said. They were a little mm-hmm. cellophane packet of glitter or a yeah. tiny little a tiny little mesh bag of like plastic gemstones or uh, a pouch of pirate coins, mm-hmm. and it's just like, eh, this is doomed. You know, you're gonna have right. this for a little while, and these these things are gonna be lost in the depths of the couch. And you're not going to have whatever it was anymore. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, was de- designed a, a bit more smartly and with some of that in mind. So I am less concerned with Dungeonology than I am with some of the other uh, predecessors in the mm-hmm. Ology series. Uh, but there's still a little bit of that. And and like I said, I come down on the side of, all right, you, you misfolded the map. We'll live. Yeah. That's I true. mean, this is this is meant to be used and picked up and handled and you know bent crease a page dog ear dog ear one of the dragon's pages it'll give it character you know I, I'm sure Tracy fully intends on just handing the book to her her son to play with whenever he wants right sure <laughs> this cover uh, this cover is going to be, be nice teething material it's nice and slick uh, yeah <laughs> yeah there you go yeah I mean eventually he'll get it but I mean I also have coloring books like adult coloring books mm-hmm. like the D and D one so I'm used to books some types of books being more of a consumable sure well and 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 you said it is and i mean it is sturdy and and i think it's good that the maybe it's good that this wasn't that their first ology book isn't the D &D book right because they've had plenty of time to like test things out and see what works and see what doesn't work and and hone the craft so to speak yes i like the the mind flare on the cover i'm not sure what it has to do with dungeons (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know, it's uh, they, they they talk plenty about the underdark and, and all that and, and mindfully. I, I think that may, may also be a tie into the cover of Volos, the the special edition cover spe- of Volos. Yeah, see, I was wondering about that. Do they just got got a a thing for for mind flayers these days? I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of mind flayers, so I'm I'm okay <laughs> if they do. You know, the the mind flayer thing is interesting because I would have expected to have seen some mind flayer influence in um, uh, Out of the Abyss. And, you know, maybe there was just a little of it, but, like, nothing significant. Uh, so, who knows? Maybe we'll see a Mind Flayer-centric story arc yeah, coming I think, up. Yeah, I think there... I mean, I think the Out of the Abyss storyline had a major Mind Flayer component, but it was all in the video game. Right. And then, yeah, yeah, it didn't uh, didn't have anything to do with the, uh, the tabletop right. one. So, we haven't seen a huge Mind Flayer influence in any of our... Uh, any of our actual D&D stories yet. So that'd be cool to see them show up in some fashion. And the beauty of Mind Flayers is you can do Underdark with them or you can do plane hopping. You can do uh, crazy worlds that man was not meant to know existed. You can do anything with these guys because their lore is just nuts. <laughs> they're well, time-traveling, dimension-spanning, space-faring, whatever you need. And maybe people can draw their own conclusions, but they, I mean, it's when you go through the, the chapter on monsters, like the the choice of monsters was interesting to me as well because, I mean, you've got mind flayers, you've got gelatinous cubes, you've got beholders. These are sort of um, classic dungeon but then things. You got gif. Then, the, but then the gif, which is not a classic dungeon creature, but um, they're classic mind flayer creatures. They are classic mind flayer creatures. Uh, Displacer beasts are classic D and D creatures. I don't know that I expect to find them in dungeons all the time. You know. Yeah, generally not in dungeons. I'd, I'd expect to find them in forests. Or, or Yon-T have their own section as well. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, there's a there's a lot to pick and choose from. So, yeah. like I said, this is this is that thing where it's you know it's going to be hindsight when we go back and we're yeah. like, of course, uh, yeah. it was the owl bear. It's, off- it's owl obviously bear what they were hinting at. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was staring at us the whole time. <laughs> uh, and, and they could do that with absolutely anything. You know, the shrieker and the umber hulk over there that could that could be that the, could be the key thing. to unlocking the whole mystery. But uh, no, mind flares are compelling, certainly with the gift there, and then uh, you know talking about the barriers between worlds breaking down. And, mm-hmm cool stuff and Spelljammer just saying oh Spelljammer <laughs> I always go back to that um, there was a Dun- or Dragon Magazine like before Paizo started doing Adventure Paths it was, it was like the first sort of Adventure Path and it was done through Dungeon and Dragon Magazine oh yeah, uh, yeah and it was it was the Gith Invasion sort of thing yep I really wish I still had those magazines because now I want to go back and play that adventure so yeah uh you might be able to acquire the PDFs of them at least. I oh yeah, some maybe. Are, are yeah. Still available from Paizo. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. So anyway, so we've talked for half an hour or so about the book. Anything else we want to say? It's I mean it's a relatively short book and and we're kind of yeah. talking around it and speculating on all kinds of things. So, um, <laughs> um, well, I guess, I mean, I guess last that, thoughts. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll let Tracy go first on on final thoughts. Summary. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I think particularly um, at some of the pr- price points I've seen online, it makes sense to to get it and just have it around for people who maybe new to Dungeons and Dragons or who just want something different looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. the, the cover price is twenty five dollars, and of course, mm-hmm. if you hop on a lot of online retailers, you can find it less than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think having it as that curio, like you just said, Tracy, I think that's a great idea. And and for people who are new to Dungeons & Dragons, or how many times have you had to have the, okay, now I have to explain what role-playing is to a person who doesn't get it, has never seen it, mm-hmm. isn't going to know what I'm talking about, what language do I use, right? Yeah. Like, what do I say, you know, because... Yeah. The go-to is always, well, it's like improvisational acting or right. collaborative storytelling. But that doesn't grab people you know that's not going to take a person who's never done any not anything like that mm-hmm. and and explain to them what it is this you can crack it open and say hey check it out and like you know yeah <laughs> see so, this map down here like yeah see these creatures yeah and see i'm i'm torn because like i don't know like this is the kind of book that i think would be great to like toss to your 10 year old or whatever and let them flip through it and then suddenly they're hooked right this is how you get them into D, you know now they're in um at the same time like i'm i'm tempted to take it to school with me because i teach middle school all right i teach seventh graders who are 12 13 years old oh um, do it and i'd be real tempted to, like toss this this at some kids but if i just put it on like my my bookshelf where kids are allowed to borrow books like that's easily going to get destroyed like i can't put a hardcover on there without the cover being torn off in in a month sure um yeah but but i'm tempted to just keep it behind my bookshelf and then like because i have an after school gaming club as well and and getting some whenever i get a new player who wants to know more about what's going on like here look through it take it home bring it back next week whatever you know I think uh, that'd be perfect. So that'd be I, great yeah, to have I, just kind of as a, you know, and you have to order off the menu to get the Dungeonology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not just on the, the shelf for you. Right. But when you get someone who's interested, then that'd be great. That'd be perfect for them. I think it might be. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to check with my eldest and make sure he's okay with me taking it to school. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> that, might be, that might be in the, in the works. So. 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's great as a primer. Um, and it's, it's even good for, for young kids. My kids are, are five and seven. And like I said, tonight we were going through and looking at some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they've pinned it down. My, my seven-year-old son wants to play a dragonborn ranger who f- fires a bow. And okay. uh, my five-year-old daughter wants to play a gnome wizard <laughs> she, uh, who could talk to animals. So forest yeah. gnome. We're, we're set. So she she wants to play a forest gnome wizard, and uh-huh. and that was you know just from a little while of flipping through dungeonology. So it has huge value for sparking the imagination mm-hmm. and, and getting people interested. Cool. Yeah. No. And I, I've had. The, I mean, I mine are are five and ten, and and I don't know that this is the kind of book that I just throw at my five year old. Um, no. But in terms of like reading read reading it to him, yeah, um, doing something together, then then I think it works pretty well. Yep. Yep. So. Like my daughter crawled up into my lap, and we laid this out on the table, and and she had a blast. And there you go. You know, it held her attention for for a good long while. And and that alone is worth the, the twenty five dollar cover price. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up then, and call this the end of the episode. We'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, Noble Knight, and our guest, Dan Dillon. Oh, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, is there anywhere online people can find you? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at my super creative handle of at Dan underscore Dylan underscore one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and you can find me at just Daniel.p.dylan. And I'm also a moderator on the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition uh, Facebook discussion group. Uh, it's pushing uh, up on 60,000 members now. Um, constantly a lot of discussion, a lot of rules talk, a lot of story talk, just all D&D all the time. A lot of asking for, what, 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 how, what should I name this thing? That's my, that's uh, my favorite kind of post. Oh, yeah, yeah, What do yeah, I name yeah, this yeah. thing? You know? <laughs> yeah, there's less of that these days. Less of, less of that. I, know, I guess in the last few weeks of... anyway, I haven't seen it much. <laughs> although yeah. although I, I, I'm happy to see, like, it seems like at least once or twice a week somebody being, hey, I want to find some good D&D YouTube shows or podcasts. Any suggestions? Well, yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> so. well, I, I, yes, we have at least one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a great place to to connect with people, um, particularly if you're living in an area where you don't have a lot of players close by. We have a lot mm-hmm. of people um, searching out online gaming communities that they can get connected with, or or and it just even finding gamers near themselves who they wouldn't have otherwise found. So it's great to talk rules. It's great to just have some community connection, and uh, we have a, a pretty aggressive moderation staff that try to keep it a positive constructive uh, welcoming place mm-hmm. awesome. and, then, and then if you're also friends with dan you get to hear it see on his personal wall where he complains about yeah, yeah you get to see the rants <laughs> the rants every now and then when the, the sanity grates but no i'm good as i as i was saying no, recently i've i have found a strange equilibrium yeah it seems like you're having fun <laughs> no i'm having a good time you definitely have to do that with online stuff yes you do <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, what do, uh, you know, like what do you know about finding an equilibrium with online stuff? Jeez. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd like to also thank all of you for supporting the show by shopping from our affiliate links when you use Amazon or DMs Guild. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us at thetomeshow at gmail.com 
call 919-BIZ-TOM, or another way you can support us, and I didn't put this in the script, so it's not Tracy's fault, uh, if you go over to patreon.com slash show, you can become a patron for the show and, and you know toss a few coins our way, but uh, whenever I have questions or whenever we have questions about what we should be doing or what kind of shows we should have or what should re- we should review or um, what you know what our advice episodes should we do or what guests should we have on, that's the place where we go to solicit that information, and so they... Um, the, the patrons will oftentimes get a, a first glimpse of what we're working on uh, and get a say in sort of where things go. So go become a Patreon, patron over at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. And getting to have that kind of say and input in, in the content that's created and the information that gets out there, that's just awesome. So that's super cool that you guys do that. Well, and the patrons are awesome. Uh, I mean, we've always had to sort of just take a shot in the dark and say, oh, what about this? Let's try that. Having audience members who are, are passionate and engaged in the show and want to have that give provide that feedback is has been a fantastic resource for us as well so i bet it's, it's a win-win-win Very yeah nice. i definitely like it and that's episode 275 where we all went back to school and listened to the lectures of professor volo as he told us about dungeonology in this episode of I'm also wrong.